there was a, a man, 109 years old, he went to the doctor to get a physical, and uh, physical went great. The doctor said, man, you're doing, you're just in great shape. Everything, all the tests came back good. And the doctor asked him, he says, hey, um, how are you doing emotionally? And the, the gentleman, his name was Larry, he says, man, I'm doing great. I'm just doing great emotionally. And uh, uh, the doctor says, how are you doing with God? He says, me and God, we're tight. We are tight. He goes, you know, I have a problem with my vision a little bit. And in the middle of the night, I go to use the restroom. And man, me and God so tight that the lights come on. I use the restroom and then the light goes off. And I go back to bed. He's like, wow, that's a pretty unique uh, relationship you got going on there. Yeah, he said, we tight, man. We, we are tight. Later in the day, the doctor says, you know, I probably should call the wife, call Bonnie, and says, you, you know, I just, you're here. your husband's doing wonderful. All the results came back good, physical, great. But, you know, he, he talked about this relationship with God and how, you know, he has this, in the middle of the night, this tight relationship with God. He goes to the bathroom and the lights come on, and then when he's through, the lights go out. Bonnie, the wife, goes, oh, my goodness, doctor, oh, my goodness. He's peeing in the refrigerator again. How many of you know that laughter is like, is like medicine? Yeah. It does the body good. We're talking about emotions today. Matter of fact, I named this, 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 this sermon, Sweet Emotions, Sweet Emotions. And uh, that's the only thing I'm taking from that song. I, I, I don't endorse any of the rest of the song, but I do like the title. How many of you want to have sweet emotions? Amen. We want to have sweet emotions. And I run into so many people who are hurting and they have damaged emotions, broken heart, mental snares, and so forth and so on. And this is one of the, the part of the series that you asked for over Easter, over Resurrection Sunday. We put out on, on, on text, hey, what do you want to hear? And one of them was on emotional health. So this is the one on emotional health. Honestly, to try to put emotional health in one sermon is very, very challenging. I've done series on it. I've taught classes on and overcoming anxiety, depression. So it's very, very, very challenging. I want to start with the definition of emotions. It's very unique. It says, a natural, instinctive state of mind deriving from three things, deriving, deriving from one, circumstances, mood, or relationships with others. Think about that for a minute. The circumstances that you go through and the relationships that you have, how they can impact your emotions. How many of you know that? Could be with a friend, a family member, or someone you're married to, or your boss, or what have you. Uh, emotions unrestrained and left to themselves, it's almost like a chimpanzee inside of a cage. 
The Bible talks about us walking in, 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 in absolute self-control. And I, I'm here to encourage you in this area today. First of all, you're not alone in here. If you struggle in any area, mentally or emotionally, I got news for you. Years ago, uh, I did a class with this other lady who had struggled with panic attacks and anxiety. So we, we composed our class, we put it together, and we thought, you know, who's going to come to this class? We have no clue. Who's going to come to it? And all of a sudden, it was the night of the class. We had 103 people show up. Why do I say that? Because the need to be able to talk about these things in church is very, very real. I want to begin by talking about the origin of negative emotions, the origin, things like fear, paranoid, uh, worry, anxiety, shame, so forth and so on. The, 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 where does negative emotions come from? Uh, yesterday, we had a... Uh, 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 it was like a, not a retreat, what would you call yesterday? A workshop called Deeper Still. And I hear it was just absolutely powerful with different counselors coming together. Why? In order to encourage people in this area. When you hear of Deeper Still, I want to let you know it's a tool that God has offered here in the church to help you, to equip you, to, to give you skills in the area of overcoming and to learning maybe what's going on inside of you. Negative emotions, listen to this, Genesis 3, 6-7. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful, the fruit looked delicious, and she wanted wisdom uh, it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. You want to know where negative emotion comes from? Here we go. Then she gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. At that moment, their eyes were opened and suddenly, look, look at this, felt shame. Say that word with me, shame. Very, very strong negative emotion. First place that you see it in the Bible. Felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed uh, fig leaves together to cover themselves. Shame. So many people deal with things like shame and guilt and anger, all derived from this point uh, when, men, when man fell and all of a sudden, all hell, literally, all hell broke loose in the hearts and souls of men and women. And it all, it was all uh, driven from a lie, a lie that was believed. It's when you believe a lie, it's, it has the same impact on you as the truth does, except it doesn't set you free. You can believe a lie. I've believed lies before and it impacted my life, but it didn't untwine me it didn't set me free because it was still a lie but when you think it's true it impacts you like the truth though it be a lie and this is this is how negative emotions were birthed because of a lie that Adam and Eve they they believed and it says this in verse 4 and 5 uh, you won't die the devil said the serpent lie the serpent replied to the woman who knows uh God knows, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And because they deeply desired to be like God, they ate it. So lies, how many of you have ever believed a lie and it's, it's impacted you emotionally? 
Maybe you were married to someone who was unfaithful and you were just living a lie. Or maybe somebody accused or lied about you, the impact it can have. Well, I tell you what, uh, I want to share this story. This is not about a lie, but it's about believing something that wasn't completely true and how it can impact you. I was, Radine and I was in Arizona last weekend ministering at the church plant uh, we sent out six and a half years ago. So uh, the first two people that connected with us uh, to church plant, Heart of the City Church, almost 15 years ago, uh, is Joe and Kirsten Tuttle. Uh, the Shoffs here, their daughter, Kirsten Toto. And we sent them out about six and a half years ago. They planted in Avondale. The church has moved a little bit over into New Good, Goodyear. And man, the church is doing awesome. You should know that because it's a church plant out of here. And if you're ever in that area, you should go to it because it's amazing. I mean, they're changing the world in that area. They got a new facility and it's so beautiful. But we had this opportunity to minister there. There. It was called Deeper, and uh, it was kind of like their sound when we have the sound here. So got to minister on Saturday and Sunday. Anyway, Pastor Bob shared a story, and I thought it was really, really amazing to go along with what I'm sharing this morning. Sue was gone for a few days, so he went by grocery store or pharmacy or somewhere, and he got some jerky. And he, for three days, is eating this jerky, you know, this, this packaged jerky, flat jerky, and, and he's enjoying the jerky, and he's eating it for, I think, two or three days. And, and all of a sudden, back then, their youth pastor was Ben, and Ben jumped in the car, and Pastor Bob offered him some jerky. And so Ben looked at it and, you know, opened it up, and whatever he did, and he started reading it. He's like, Pastor Bob, have you read this package right here? And, and Pastor Bob's like, you know, just jerky, man. It's just... You know, well, well, it's 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 dog treats. Dog dog jerky, not human jerky, dog jerky. And so that's the impact. I'm sure Bob, it tasted way differently after he knew it was dog jerky. But the impact that a lie, now it wasn't a lie, I mean he bought dog jerky, but he believed it was human jerky. The impact lies can have on you. I could go into other stories and I don't have time. Genesis 3.10, so he heard, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I, look at this, and I was afraid, say that with me, afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself, afraid, fear. All of a sudden, we were dealing with shame, we're dealing with fear, guilt, everything else that was birthed out of that moment. I want to let you know right now, I think if there is a tap root from the enemy when it comes to negative emotions, it's in the area of fear. The tap root. If you don't deal with fear in your life, it's like, uh, uh, it's like it begins like with a match, but it sets a fire inside of you that will burn up California. Are you feeling me? Just the impact that fear will have consuming your life if you don't uh, keep fear in check. Matter of fact, Paul told Timothy very clear. God didn't give you a spirit of God didn't give you a spirit of fear is a spirit and it's not from God. 
He gives you power, love, and sound mind. When you have fear, you don't have power, you don't have love, and you don't have sound mind. You don't have it. But when you have power, love, and sound mind, guess what? You don't have fear. Keep it in check. It will consume your life. Well, I wanted you to see where these things came from because... Um, we need to talk about these things in the church. I'm glad that somebody wanted to talk about it because I've dealt with this most of my life in the area of emotions and, and mentally. Matter of fact, ment mental illness is basically in the past have been shunned in the church. And it's amazing. It, it's, it's absolutely amazing because all of a sudden you, you can talk about a kidney disease. You can pray for somebody with heart disease, both organs, Maybe diabetes, pancreas, all those different things. But as soon as you say mental, it's like, whoa. And guess what a brain is? It's a what? It's an organ. And your brain can have problems also. Are you following me? Now, if you have a demon, let us cast it out of you. Okay? I'm not saying... I believe, man, signs and followers, will, they're going to follow me. We cast out demons. But you can also have problems in your brain that you need help with. Are you following me? Okay, you can have things like uh, damaged brain. You can have brain problems from traumas, PTSD, uh, living wrongly brain, some type of addiction in your brain, all these things that we deal with that I think that God wants to really speak to, you know, for the lack of knowledge, people perish. And I think that looks like a lot of people stay tormented in pain, suffering, because they're not willing to talk about it or they're afraid to talk about it or ashamed to talk about it. And I'm just going to talk about it. I don't, I don't care. Shrink the church, whatever. It's like, oh, they're talking about there and, you know, they're, they don't believe in demons. Hey, we'll cast out demons and we're going to pray for your brain to be healed. All those things. But if you're always casting out a demon, which we love things to be quick, just like McDonald's, cast it out, be okay. Well, if it's not a demon and you need to, I won't go there right now because I'm going to hit it a little bit further later, but you need help in the area of your brain, then you could be shooting at the wrong target. Are you following me today? No matter what you're dealing with today, I believe with all my heart, I have uh, my sister right here. She made this key for me. Thank you so much. I love it. It says vision on one side, Greek or Hebrew vision on the other side, both on the, it's beautiful. I got keys for you today that I think they can help you if you're dealing with OCD, dealing with fear, mental torment, if you're dealing with shame, panic attacks, whatever it may be, depression, intrusive thoughts, all those things. If you're not dealing with them, praise God. I would say that you're probably the minority because when I really talk to people and find out what they're dealing with, a lot of people are hurting. Their, their, their hearts are broken. And so I want to talk about these different things. First of all, give you great hope today that Jesus is still the answer. You may be like, I've been like this for so long, Jay, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know. Jesus is still the answer number one uno he is the healer by his stripes we were healed now i want to talk about different things that lead kind of vines from jesus but jesus is still the answer the first one that i want to give you today is this prayer and presence well of course jail you're you're a pastor you're going to tell me to pray well i'm going to tell you right now 
Prayer and God's presence is key when it comes to healthy emotions, when it comes to your heart being whole, when it comes to damaged emotions being healed. Prayer, you taking the time, praying, seeking the face of God, being in the presence of God. His presence, it, it's like it absorbs fear. His presence, it like suffocates fear. Uh, worry. Psalms 1611 says, in your presence is fullness. Listen to me. Fullness of, as soon as I say prayer, it's like, oh, you're talking about prayer again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to daydream about work tomorrow. When you need to, you need to, you need to tap in. You've been suffering so long in his presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When you, I'm telling you, prayer brings renewing to your mind. Prayer leans you in to the Father of life. Peter, I think, is traumatized. Seriously. Seriously traumatized. He has seen Jesus, who he had a revelation of, as being the Lord, the Messiah. And all of a sudden, now he's hanging on a cross, beat to a pole. Can you imagine? Traumatized. He probably is PTSD, just sideways. And then Jesus has this interaction with me, Peter, do you love me? You'll find that at the end of John, Peter, do you love me? Peter's using filio, filio, and then he, he, he starts to come around, uses agape at some point, so forth and so on. But my point with that is that after that interaction where this is what prayer is about, Peter's, is in, Peter's in the presence of Jesus. He's in the presence of God Almighty. This is the resurrection Lord. And then all of a sudden, he's talking with him. That's exactly what prayer is about, you guys. It's talking with the Father. Are you following me? Yeah. Talking with the Father, believing he's there. How do I know that he's there? Because I just start to thank him. If you, if you struggle with feeling his presence, I encourage you, begin to thank him. Father, I just thank you that you're right here. I thank you that you're right. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. You never leave me. You never forsake me. I am yours. I'm accepted. I belong to you, right? You just thank him for that, and all of a sudden, you'll begin feeling his presence. And then guess what Peter does after this invasion of Jesus Christ? It's the last chapter in John, and I know that it should be Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts, but it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Well, right at the end of John is Acts. Guess what Paul Peter's doing? Peter's preaching the gospel. Peter's preaching to 120 people. He's like the number one apostle. God uses him so much to birth the New Testament. But, but I think there was great healing that came out of that time of him having this interaction with Jesus. Peter, do you love me? You'll only hear those things when you're in God's presence and you're listening in prayer. Now, he can talk to you anywhere. He can talk to you at any time, but there's something about you setting aside time in prayer and presence. Some of you got just funk in your head, in your brain. What's funk? You ever been in a junior high uh, football gym uh, locker room before? You, you ever smelt the funk in a junior high locker room? It's like we can have junior high locker room funk right in our brain. Cloud, stench. God just wants to come and he wants to remove all of that. Bring healing to your emotions and your mind and your brain. Are you with me? 
Number two, great understanding of God's grace. You need to have this. I remember back in the 90s, Radine and I were uh, youth ministers, and man, I went through some funk and just got performance-oriented. It was all about my works and working 17 hours a day and just burning out, and I had this invasion of God's beautiful grace. It's all over the Bible, but somebody will write a book sometime that can really speak to you. So somebody gave me this book called Ragamuffin Gospel. I didn't like the name of it, so I gave it away. And then somebody gave it to me again. And I decided I better read this. And it absolutely opened up this beautiful revelation of God's grace. When you have a great understanding of the grace of God, it brings deep healing to your emotions and your soul, your heart, and your mind. And I would highly encourage that book. Some of you may not like it. Well, that's okay right there. I don't care. I'm just saying that it's a good book. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. This grace that I speak of today is a gift of God. And all of a sudden, somebody can get radically saved, and then it turns into religiosity and works. But I want to tell you today that the same grace that saved you is the same grace that will sustain you 20, 30 years, 40 years later. It's the same grace. The grace that forgives you, guess what? It still forgives you. The grace that gives you uh, undeserving favor back then is still gives you undeserving favor today. You say this with me. I am accepted. Say it with me. I'm accepted. Say this with me. I'm a son or a daughter. Come on. He loves you. He loves you. And, 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 and getting a better understanding of that, that God receives you just as you are. Isn't that amazing? Now, he's going to change us throughout life, but he receives you and he accepts you. So I encourage you to get a greater understanding of God's grace. Here's number three. You won't find this one all through the Bible, but go with me because it works. I'm here to help people in the area of their minds, their souls, their brains, and their emotions. Number three, work out. Man, I say work out in church. People just get quiet. Just like, what do, what do you mean work out, jail in front of my computer? No, I'm talking about working out. Actually work out. If it's hiking, biking, walking, gym, I don't care what you do, you should work out. It, if you're, I, I, listen to me, I, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm your best friend right now, you should listen. I probably go to the gym two, three times a week. I walked over a little over three miles yesterday. No big thing, but I'm going to tell you right now, like prayer and God's presence are like two organs that I have to have, like my heart and my brain. I got to have God's prayer and presence. But another organ that I have to have is working out. All of a sudden, when you work out, things like endorphins are released. Uh, dopamine is released. Happy drugs. Guess what? You don't have to slam heroin any longer. You don't have to do math. You don't got to snort Coke. Are you feeling me? Well, I'm not doing that anyway. I'm not, I'm not doing those things anyway. Well, good. Praise God. You don't have to. But my point is that God has made it so that we can have some happy things happen inside of us by just working out. And by the way, when you work out, negative things, negative chemicals leave your body. Uh, let me ask you this. When it comes to working out, the Bible talks about a journey's day. 
a, a, a day's journey in the Bible. A day's journey. How do you long? They, it's not proven, but I've looked it up a couple of times. How long do you think a day's journey is in the Bible? 20 to 25 miles. You walk 20, 25 steps to get in your car. Five steps to get your remote. 20 steps to get your computer. Are you feeling me? 20, we go crazy somebody does 20, 25 miles. It's like marathon. Woo! I'm an iron man. For real. And a day's journey in the New Testament. What I read was 20 to 25 miles. They don't need to talk about exercise because that's all they did. Eat some fish and walk. Manna, walk. I'm telling you, working out will really impact your life. Number four, say this with me, soul training. Our pastor years ago, Jim Durkin, he coined that phrase, soul training. How many of you have ever had a four-year-old child take them to the grocery store? They see the, the, the candy right there. They go, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. How many of you ever, something like that, candy? To- Did you train them to do that? No. They're well-trained by their soul. Their emotions. They're well-trained. Well, you have to retrain. I believe at the, the time of the fall, we were spirit. I am a spirit that has a soul trapped within a body. You are a spirit that's going to live forever that has a soul trapped within a body. But my soul can't control me. I think that in the fall, the spirit was in control of our lives. Spirit of man connected with the spirit of God. And we were led in perfect harmony and peace. But all of a sudden with the fall, now the soul tries to control who we are our emotions. You ever heard the song, I'm a soul man? That's not cool. You don't want to be a soul man. You want to be a spirit person. You have to train the soul. What do you think David was doing in Psalms 103 and 104? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me. Bless his holy name. Forget not all of his venom. He's speaking to his soul. He's training his soul. Soul, you're not going to do whatever you want to do. And don't you forget the benefits of serving God. The soul. Are we really made up of three? Absolutely. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Listen to this. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your, listen to this, whole spirit soul, and body be preserved at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sing songs like, it is well with my soul, bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's that's what we're talking about. Say that with me, soul training. If you've never heard that or taken it on, let me challenge you to begin that. That your emotions quit trying to ruin your life at times, control your lives, and impact those around you. Begin to soul train. Number five, I'm going to hit the last ones really fast. 
Think about what you're thinking about. Think about what you're thinking about. What are you thinking about right now? Think about what you're thinking about. What are you thinking about right now? Think about what you're thinking about. Your thoughts will kill you. I'll back it with Bible. Thoughts will kill you. Listen to the scripture. Romans 8, 5 through 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those that live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Listen to this. But to be carnally minded is... To be carnally minded is... It might be a slow death, but it's a painful death. And you don't have to allow your mind to do whatever it wants to do. I can control my brain through my mind. And I'm going to renew my mind according to God's word. It doesn't have to go out, do whatever, think whatever it wants. My mind, man, it can get in the uttermost of the, of the guttermost if I don't watch it. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor... Indeed, can it be? So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Your emotions is a byproduct of your thoughts. What do you think? What's your biggest thoughts? That's where you're headed. You better pull them back. You better watch them. Bring them into check. Your emotions follow your thoughts. Let me show you the power of emotions. I can literally think about my grandson sometimes and all of a sudden I'll just start smiling or either I'll begin weeping because I just love my grandson dearly and now I got another grandson on the way, right? Me and, me and Ray Dean, they, they cut the cake uh, Friday night. I'm like, what are they doing with that cake? I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Cut the cake. Inside the cake was blue. I'm like, blue, blue, boy, right? That's a whole nother sermon. Six, just got through a book called Winning the War of the Mind by Craig Rochelle. Amazing, amazing book. May listen to it again. Ruts and trenches, ruts and trenches, ruts and trenches. Because of what happened at Adam and Eve, ruts come very natural. We just get in ruts in our thinking. Ruts, just wrong ruts, just Deep, wrong, negative ruts, wrong thinking. Get stuck in them for years. Man, I tell you what, I was smoking weed between my seventh and eighth grade year, and all of a sudden, a rut began. Smoking for those who, oh, jail, you just smoke, Washington's right there, just smoke weed 30 years, never impacted my life. Well, it wasn't that way with me. I was smoking weed, and all of a sudden, some dam broke in my brain. Wires got crossed in my brain. I am, I am absolutely against weed. So don't ask me, or you'll get my opinion. Right? I don't care if you like it or not, because of how it impacted me. And then for years, I was in a rut. Man, I had panic attacks, anxiety, chronic anxiety. And for years, I've been trying to dig new trenches 
See, a rut is something that just negatively happens. Mud and dirt and gravel and sand gets deeper and you're stuck in a rut. But when you dig a trench, you're laying something in there new. Maybe I want to lay a a new gas line or a new water line. I'm going to lay it in this trench. Say that with me, trench. How do you do it spiritually? I, man, I start laying trenches, man. By his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. Man, God is for me, not against me. He didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and sound mind. And I dig trenches, I dig trenches, I dig trenches. You believe it, you meditate it, you say it until you believe it. Over and, well, J.O., that sounds like cultish brainwashing. It is absolutely brainwashing. Absolutely. And if you don't do it, You'll just stay in the ruts that you've been in for 30 years. Simple? Yeah. Hard? Oh, yeah. Very difficult. Try it. All of a sudden, you'll be right back in that rut. Choose to dig new trenches instead of being in the rut that you've been in for many years. Are you following me? Let me finish with this one. Everyone say reframing. Sometimes we need to reframe our lives. Mondays, I'm working on reframing. Mondays, after preaching three times for years, it was four, I wake up very delirious, especially the older I get. Get cold sores, just fever blisters. I can't make a decision on Monday. It's like, Radine, please make that decision. Just cloudy. Just, wow, sideways, just from preaching and so forth and so on. Not complaining, I'm just explaining. It's very real. So I've been trying to reframe it. What do you mean by reframing? Think about this for a moment. Mondays, this is a day the Lord had made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. What's that going to look like? How am I trying to reframe it? Well, I got this beautiful wife. I got beautiful kids. Grandson, another grandson coming. Got a wonderful church that we pastor. Just God's faithfulness. Got a house, got vehicles, so forth. I got so many wonderful things in my life that on Monday, I can camp out on three bad things. Just three, three bad things. Just, just, and see, that's what I mean by reframing. Whatever it is in your life, it's easy to always look at the wrong or the negative, but reframing is, shh, look at all the good in your life. Some of you need to reframe right now. Look at all the good. I can look on people's faces who needs a lot of faith on their face. You need to reframe sometimes because it's easy to just focus on all the negative in your life. Maybe there's four or five bad things, but there's about 150 awesome things in your life, and you need to reframe. Are you following me? Tell your neighbor right there, reframe. Reframe. I'm working on that one absolutely myself. Number eight, counseling. Say this with me, counseling. Like I was talking about a few minutes ago, deeper still. There was a old school, old wineskin for some reason of not counseling in the church years ago. And I'm like, that's crazy. Because counseling is in the Bible. If you want to wage a good warfare, you get counsel. If you want multitude of safety, get counsel. Who should you get counsel from? 
Godly counsel. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So don't go getting crazy counsel. I've gotten counsel that's absolutely changed my life. My wife and I has got counsel, changed our marriage. So that's for free today. You might want to consider, if you've been in that old school frame of thoughts and thought you could do it all on your own, you might want to get counsel. My last one is this. Listen to me real good. Be you. Be you. You want to you know how you can get jacked up mentally and emotionally? It's trying to be like everybody else. You may, may not like yourself. God wants to heal that. You need to be who God's called you to be. You need to be the sex that God created you to be. I'm glad at five years old when I was eating boogers, eating dog food and eating dirt, that my parents didn't allow me to be whatever I wanted it to be. Do you know I used to like to play dolls with my sister? So? You know what I tell my grandson all the time? He's 17 months. I pick him up and I go, Jonesy, you are a man of God. Jonesy, you are a man of God. My son is a man of God. My wife is a woman of God. My daughter is a woman of Tover. Man, come on. Be who God's called you to be. And don't send me emails tomorrow. Amen. I don't want to hear them. I'm preaching Bible.